Welcome to episode 8 of From Fear to Faith, a podcast series from Desire and Truth and Anna Absalom. Lord, we pray that we can learn something new as we hear your word today. Amen. We've been uh, spending some time in Philippians chapter 4, and um, I'd like to, if possible, take us back to the Old Testament to uh, see the same thing that really that um, Paul is talking about. Because one of the things I love about God and about his word is that the threads of truth run from the beginning to the end, that God is the same God. He is the unchanging God. And what he tells us about in the New Testament through Paul, Peter, Luke, all of the writers, he's already told us about in the Old Testament. He doesn't change. He, it's the same. And the way we approach him is always the same. And so um, I was thinking about that and thinking about what what we might look at and uh, I love the Psalms I, I love the Psalms because I find such honesty in them uh, when you read through the Psalms um, people are, are uh, praying uh, singing to God and um, and basically they're just being totally honest with God and coming before him unafraid actually because they know that they are able to come before this God and um, in Psalm 34, we have uh, David running from Saul, uh, and he's in a situation where he decides to pretend to be mad so that he can lay low for a while and um, Saul won't find him. And actually, that, that the time that he speaks about in Psalm 34 is, is also recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Uh, from verse 10 to 15. And if we only had 1 Samuel, which is like the historical narrative of what was going on, um, we would know that he was running scared and he, uh, because Saul was trying to kill him. But we would say that um, he managed to avert the crisis by his own cleverness, i.e. in pretending to be mad. And uh, But the wonderful thing is that when we read Psalm 34, we read David's account of what happened and we see actually into the heart and mind of David and how he understood the situation. Um, so I'm just going to uh, start in, uh, in Psalm 34 and just read for a little while. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. The secret of, of David's escape, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Can you see how Paul takes that truth and says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. David says the same thing. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And in verse six, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David's cleverness didn't open the door. God delivered and God saved. So let's uh, kind of go through this psalm uh, slowly and pick it apart a bit and see what we might learn from it. 
I think last time I said, why not for a month decide that you will uh, write down the truths of God, you will think about those things, you'll meditate on them, you will ask God for certain things and record all those things and after a month you will be able to see how God has answered you. And uh, really this is one of the ways that I do it. I come to a psalm like Psalm 34 and I pick it apart verse by verse so that I can see what God would have me know through this psalm. So, verse 1 and 2. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. David is committed to praising God unceasingly. Can you see anything that compares to Philippians chapter 4? Couldn't you say that that's the same as verse 4? Rejoice in the Lord always, at all times. The true response to every situation is not to look at your own cleverness, your own ability, but acknowledge who God is and who you are in Christ. That's why it's so important to read your Bible and to know the truth of God, because in the reality of our lives, we need to understand that we belong to a living God who is more than able to do everything that we need. Put your confidence in Christ and in his promises. That's the message for those at the bottom of life's heap. Look at what um, David says. This poor man cried. This man who had nothing and no one cried and God delivered him. Um, for those people that feel that they are alone and they have nothing and nobody, come to the Lord God, give him um, the praise that he's due and you will find that you are lifted up and able to rejoice more and more. And, and his prayer was answered with total deliverance. Um, not necessarily from the situation. Look at what he says in verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. David wasn't taken out of his situation, but he was taken out of his fear. Um, David says, those who look to him will be radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. They will never be disappointed as a result of looking to the Lord. And this is not David's only experience. This is everybody because it is as a poor man that he came to the Lord. Uh, he called on the Lord and he was heard. It is for God's glory that he answers your prayers. For the witness of Christ Jesus. Therefore, your prayers don't depend on you but they depend on the one to whom you're praying. Remember, when you pray, to uh, come to the Lord and ask him on the basis of his word to do whatever you need. Ask him, Lord, you said, you said that I could count on you to provide all that I need. Well, this is what I need, Lord. Help me. I need your help. It's for God's glory that he answers those prayers. Do you understand that? Do we understand that? That it is not for us necessarily that God is answering his prayer, although we do get our prayers answered. It is that God might be glorified in and through us. So now when you talk later, when you get to the end of your month and you've, you've seen some things that God has done, when you get to share those with other people and, and speak out your testimony, remember to say that um, God delivered you, that uh, you were in a trial, you were in a difficulty, and you cried out to the Lord, and he answered you. And remember that 
your testimony, what you share with other people is only valuable if it rests on the tr on a truth about God. Because we all have individual experiences. We all have difficulties in life and they're different uh, depending on each one of us. And actually uh, to say that, oh, well, that happened and I'm out of it now, doesn't really do anybody any good unless they can call on the God whom you called on because they know that he is the unchanging God and that he doesn't have favourites. Remember, um, your testimony is about who God is. Here, David says in verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who, fears him, who fear him and rescues them. That was nothing about David. That was all about those who fear God. God rescues them. Everyone is invited to the table. Look at how he continues. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Everyone can come and taste and see, take refuge and find that God is all sufficient. I, I remember when I was reading in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has... Um, uh, he's talking about his thorn in the flesh and he's saying that three times he came to the Lord and asked God to remove the thorn and God said, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. When we come to the Lord God and we say, Lord, this is what I need, this is what I think, God's answer will always be, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And he will be sufficient in different ways, for different situations, for different people, but it will always be his powerful grace that has been perfected in your weakness. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what David says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And now he's going to go on. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David is giving us instructions here, instructions on how to live. Do you remember Paul in Philippians 4, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are pure? David is doing the same sort of thing. He's saying, listen to me, and I will teach you. Who is the man who deserves life and loves length of days? Keep your tongue from evil. Don't speak wickedness. Don't speak out uh, anything that is not of God. Think about the good things, the lovely things, the excellent things that Paul says, and let those be the things that come out of your mouth. Build up rather than pull down. Edify rather than discourage. Make sure that you are someone who speaks truth into another person's life, truth in love. Make sure that you are, you are considered someone who is always encouraging and always building up. In order to do that, you have to have filled your mind with the truth of God. You have to receive that truth for yourself to, in order to be able to encourage other people. And David has. And what he wants to do is share that. Depart from evil. Do good, he says. Make sure that what you're taking in is being pushed out in your life towards other people. And when trials come, when we face trouble, always start to praise and to pray. 
Praise God because he knows all things and ask him to do whatever is necessary in your life in order for you to live for his glory. And David is saying, um, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. God sees and hears those he calls righteous. And who are the righteous? We are called righteous in Christ. We have been given the righteousness of Christ because we have put our trust in him, because we know that we cannot get to God any other way. God has called us. He has credited us with righteousness. We are now part of his family and therefore the, his eyes are always towards us and his ears are always open to our cry. Verse 17, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Can you see what, what David is saying here? This is a, it's almost a commentary on our relationship with God. His eyes are always towards us. His ears always hear our cry. He, he hears and he delivers. He is near to those who are brokenhearted. Notice he doesn't say that the righteous um, don't have any trouble, don't have any problems. He says the righteous may have problems, but God sees and hears and knows all, and he will deliver them out of them all. He is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Can you see what David is saying? He's saying, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me. And that's pretty much what I said last time about um, uh, filling your mind with the truth of God, writing down your prayers, coming to him with all your anxieties, laying it all out before him, deciding in advance that you want what he wants, that you will surrender your will to him, that you will thank him that he has given you the opportunity to do that. And and can you see how filling, choosing now to go forward and fill your mind with the truth will enable you when you are in a trial or a difficulty, as David was, to cry out to the God who you already know. Cry out to the God and ask him to do what only he can do. Um, Colossians chapter 3 uh, verse 15, Paul will tell us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's something you must do. And actually that begs a question, of course, why would his peace not be ruling in my heart? And I think that the only answer is because you are not doing what God has shown you to do in his word. Once you have uh, searched your heart and uh, asked yourself, am I doing what I know to do? If you find you're not, as I said last time, confess, repent and confess, ask God to forgive you and he will, and then start to actually do what Paul tells you to do in Philippians chapter 4, in Colossians 3, be thankful. Ask for wisdom if you don't have it. Teach yourself with the word of Christ. Make sure that you put the word into your mind. And as his peace uh, is, uh, is experienced in your life, you will find that fear 
has no place. If you find that you don't have God's peace, ask what it is that you fear or do not believe. Cry out to God and ask God to speak into your fear that you could receive his peace. Our progress in becoming like Jesus in Romans chapter 8, 29, uh, God says he is conforming us into the image of Christ as well as our progress in the work of God um, is so often slow and difficult. Um, and each battle and each giant that we fight is different. Just like Joshua taking the Israelites into the promised land, they didn't just um, have to, you know, defeat Jericho and see the walls go down. Okay, then everything's fine and they can take the whole of Israel, the whole of Canaan. No, they had to go on and fight more battles and more battles. And each one was different and each one required trusting God for it. That's a picture of the Christian life. Yes, we are in the promised land. We are part of the family of God. We have eternity. Our inheritance is in is undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. We are citizens of heaven, and that can never be taken away from us. Nonetheless, in this life, on this planet, we will have trials, and we will find ourselves coming up against enemies and giants. And they will cause fear to rise up in us. They will cause us to lose our peace. So we have to know how to handle them. And uh, that's what Paul is about. That's what God is about through all the writers of the New Testament and the Old Testament. He is showing us how, how to handle our fear, what to do with it, how to handle our anxieties, what we do when we're in trouble, what do we do? And he is showing us that this life is, is maybe a series of those things. And once we've learned not to fear one thing, it's no guarantee that we won't have to overcome something else. So what we have to understand is this is a life of trusting God all the time. This isn't just trust him once and everything will be fine. This is learning how to put our trust in him all the time. And we haven't got to be discouraged by it. That's God's design. That's how he's done it. That's how he's conforming us to the image of Christ. And it's his desire for us that we grow in our knowledge of him, grow in our trust of him, and, um, uh, um, and grow strong in our faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. And those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's Hebrews 11 verse 6. How will strong faith be produced? How will you um, uh, lay hold of all that God promises you? Only by constantly filling your mind with the word of God, laying hold of that word for yourself and by constantly exercising it. Um, when fear attacks, when anxieties rush in, we must remember that we overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loves us. Romans 8, 37. And God will frequently bring us up against things that do cause us difficulty. James will say in chapter 1, verse 3, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result. So James knows that actually the trials in our life are bringing forth 
um, the uh, the the evidence of the new creation that we are, the trials in our life are honing us and and proving us and making us able to stand and and to stand with joy, and to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is only as um, we have to repeatedly hold on to the truth of God's promise and draw on him for the courage to act that we learn not to fear anything. Um, I want to finish by uh, looking at um, some verses. First Peter, first of all. First Peter, chapter 3, verse 6. First Peter 3, verse 6. First Peter 3, verse 6. Um, do not be frightened by any fear. Um, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Be beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. Um, God, as I say, frequently tests our faith by making us face the things that we're afraid of. But he's doing that so that we start to remember the truth that he's told us about who we are now in Christ. Romans 8, um, and I'm going to read and finish with those wonderful verses from... Um, uh, from uh, uh, verse 31... Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long, we were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Read those verses. Write those verses out for yourself. Are you convinced, as Paul was convinced in verse 38, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Meditate on those verses. Decide that you will lay hold of them for yourself. Speak them out to yourself. And then come to the Lord God and thank him for them. And ask him to help you to face every trial, every anxiety, every enemy, every fear to face with the perspective of those verses, that truth. Ask him to enable you to live on the basis of what he's told you. He will always answer that prayer. Father, thank you 
that you are the one who tells us what to pray and then who answers those prayer prayers. Thank you, Lord God, that you are changing the desires of our heart, that you are uh, changing the way we think about things, changing our perspective. Help us to continue in that with you, Lord God. Help us to to want to um, to come alongside and to do the things that you would have us do. Father, give us the time, the discipline, the energy, the strength to do these things. Help us, Father, to surrender our will to yours and fill us with the joy, Lord God, that you promise you will. In the name of Jesus, we pray for his glory. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website at desiringtruth.org.uk for more information on events and series like this. God bless.